This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. How many, how many, how many, how many? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of How Many, the only podcast on the internet that counts. I am one of your hosts, Jesse Jackson, and joining me today are Scott, Jr., Gary, and Bob. Tonight, we are not really counting. One of the things that binds us together is the sports station here in Dallas, Sports Radio 1310. In the past, they did a segment called Biggest Show Coming to Town. Well, since COVID, there are no shows coming to town and they kind of morphed into a segment they've been calling bands of your life basically they ask a guest to join them and they have 11 questions the guest needs to give a band for each question and the kicker is you can only use a band or musician once okay so let's get to jesse's list starting first off jesse with the band that you either hate or just don't get. This was pretty difficult for me because, you know, like, (laughs) so how many different ways are you going to figure out to put Bruce Springsteen in, you know? (laughs) Uh, And I also am by nature a positive person, so hate is a wrong word for me. What I'm doing is a band I don't understand, and I'm going to start out right away hurting Gary by saying Led Zeppelin. Whoa. <laughs> wow. At least it wasn't Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Guns N' Roses may be Seriously, the next question if we, down. If we were to open this up, you know, who's on the wrong side of history? I acknowledge, and that's why I said it's a band I don't get, I don't understand. And so I want Gary to join me on set. Leslie Cruz, send me 10 Led Zeppelin songs for me to listen to and understand. It is a lack of understanding. Because if you go Led Zeppelin to me, I'm going, okay, and after they play Stairway to Heaven, what else? would they play well, live i you bet know. you most of the stuff you've been exposed to on the radio tends to be more of the stuff that's not the type of music you normally like a lot of their louder hard rock and stuff gary definitely could come up with a lot of songs that you'd be like hey this is actually pretty good one that gary pointed out specifically the immigrant song i mean that song is everywhere it's in movies tv shows that one's hard to escape and it might be the case that if you guys played that for me i'd go oh that song it, it goes like this it goes that did not convince me. But Jesse, you're a big Lord of the Rings fan, right? 
right? Yeah. They actually have Lord of the Rings references in their music. Oh, that's what I say. I acknowledge that if I probably learned more about them, I would be more impressed. It's just something that I, you know, I didn't get. I didn't listen to a lot of FM radio as a high school kid. Gary <laughs> is right. Ramble On alone is basically like theme from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Jesse, did you have any runners-up in this category or any others that you thought about? I thought of a lot of hair bands that I just didn't enjoy much. Let's see, Guns N' Roses was in the running. You know, uh, <laughs> things like that. Now, but, what about some of the stuff Poochie used to listen to in high school and stuff? You know, he went through a stage where he loved Metallica. I kept going, why do they keep singing, next in line, next in line? Like, is this song about, like, a deli that's, like, <laughs> The other band he loved was Little Wayne, and I kept going, why does he call himself Little Wayne? Why is he that, bragging about That is a person, by the way. It's not a band. Yes, yes, I, I realized that afterwards. And then going back to next question, band I think is overrated. This, I think, will also get me in trouble. I don't understand Rush. Oh, he was gonna raise up. Tom well, Sawyer starts, and I'm like, instant power down. Yeah, power well, down. For me, when I was in high school, I didn't get Rush either. It all sounded the same to me. It didn't hit until years later. It was during the middle of the grunge world that was going on, and I remember one day the DJ he put on some Rush. I started hearing that guitar, and I heard those drums by Neil Peart, and I just was like, holy crap, this is good. It turned me at that. Point. I now own a few Rush albums. They're one of those bands I really like, but also I totally understand why some people don't like them. They're not just mainstream appeal. They've got a lot of really long songs that have extended instrumental periods in them. It's I can understand why somebody doesn't like Rush. The other two bands that I had, I'm going to agree with the Nirvana comment. Okay, I guess I just don't get it. And the other thing is, I don't understand Pink Floyd and people's <laughs> obsession. I acknowledge that this is my own blind spots, but you had to put a band on the list, so that's what I did. Like everything entertainment-wise, whether we're talking about music or movies or, or whatever, what you get is what you get. These things are your own journey. It's pretty rare, I think, that somebody could explain a band to you and suddenly you get it. The thing with Pink Floyd, before we head yeah. to the next one, musically, it's kind of the way I feel about the Coen Brothers movie-wise. There's no middle ground for me. The Coen Brothers, their movies are either some of the best movies I've ever seen or some of the worst. Same I think thing Pink Floyd. Some of their stuff is amazing, unbelievable, and some of it is unlistenable. Next band would be one that you feel is underappreciated. I end with a solo artist on this. One of my runner-ups is Art Garfunkel. Solo Garfunkel? Yeah, that I like oh, okay. their solo wow. albums a lot. You know, Paul Simon is considered the heavy player in Simon and Garfunkel, and Garfield is just the voice, and I liked his solo albums. Watermark is specifically one of them that I really enjoyed. But I went with John Hyatt. Oh, and, um, very you know, nice. Hyatt is uh, someone who, he's written things for Bonnie Raitt, he's written for Roseanne Cash, he's just someone that I don't think that the general public know who they are, and they're underappreciated, and he's someone, I just think he's had a really great career and a lot of good music. Yeah, we used one of his songs as the first dance at our wedding. I've, a I've Little really, Faith in Me? Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, he's talked about that if he had a dollar for everyone who did have little faith on me in his marriage, he would be much more wealthier than he is. Yeah. Well, he also invented the hotel, so he should have some. Well, okay, he does have that going for him, yes. I actually got a good uh, karaoke out of one of his songs. Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) Smashing a perfectly good guitar. It breaks my heart to see those stars. Smashing a perfectly good guitar. That's a great song. It, that is a it great is a song. Very good song. <laughs> and by the way, um, one of the disappointments during this pandemic is his daughter Lily Hyatt put out a new album. I had tickets to see her. She was touring, and she was going to be down in Deep Ellum, and I was really looking forward to hearing it. I like her albums a lot. Okay, yeah. so band that you love is Drumroll, please. Bruce absolutely was a thought. I thought about the Eagles. I thought about Bobby Darin because I love classic Bobby Darin, Mac the Knife. But I end up going with Johnny Cash. Because my father adored Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson and Hank Williams, but Johnny Cash specifically because of the TV show he was on and the long, diverse career, the way he fought a lot against a lot of political causes. He was very much, I think, an early pioneer of that. He fought against commercialism, too. He and Buck Owen. You know, we talked about we're having an episode of Set Lessing Bruce where we use a time machine to go back and see shows, and one of them on my list is to see Cash the night he played a show and then Rick Rubin went after the show and met with him to talk about doing the American recordings and I think to be at that night and then to see what he did late in his career if you haven't listened to those they're very real they're very brutal his voice has aged but there is so much beauty and truth in those and it's just kind of amazing that the Beastie Boys producer was able to bring this magic out with Johnny Cash that's the one where he did the Nine Inch Nails cover. Yeah, her. Well, it's interesting. This is another one, and I think almost all of us have had at least one on this where it just was very heavily influenced by one or both of our parents. Yes. Right. And I'm wondering if that's going to be the case with our kids because I was thinking about that with my younger son especially. He picks up stuff I listen to in the car and he'll look it up on Spotify, but we didn't have that option when we were kids. So I think now they tend to form their own taste a lot more independently and not relying as much on what we listen to. Like you guys talked about, I don't even remember doing car trips having an 8-track. We just listened to the radio. Yeah, that's all we you know, had was the radio. You know, they would find the AM country station and ride it till it got out and then you'd <laughs> move the dial again. When I was in high school, I was a big Kiss fan. And, um, What's wrong with that? My sister adores Elvis. She is this major Elvis fan. That's my mom. And I, I don't know if my brother has a passion about any kind of music, but my mom definitely I mean, Fats Domino, Bobby Darren, Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard. Do you wonder about people that don't have a passion for at least one genre of music, just whatever's on the radio? What's interesting, Scott, is I'll talk to people and I'll say, hey, you should join me on the podcast. Who are you passionate about? 
Well, I don't know. I listen to everything. You know, right. it's like, okay, I'm not saying you don't listen to everything. There has to be one, whether it's Cindy Lauper or Paul McCartney or the Beatles or, you know, there's something. So what would you say, Jesse, moving on, is the band that you can listen to over and over again? I thought about Jimmy Buffett because I do love putting in his CDs, especially during the summer. But I ended up going with Billy Joel. For a while there, Sirius XM was doing the Billy Joel channel. Yeah. And when I moved over from E Street Channel to Billy Joel, you're just, you're amazed at the amount of hits and songs that are so, even his deep catalog are really easy to listen to. And you can just put that on and enjoy over and over again. I figured that was a good choice. It was a safe choice and it was a true choice. You know, when he did the album of kind of 50s music, you know, I wore that cassette out. So, have you ever live, Jesse? I have seen him live three or four times. And one of my favorite stories is he was here around Christmas time. And we went with some friends of ours. It's Denise and Andrea, which are sisters. Linda and I are all there. Joel's doing his regular set. And then every once in a while, he pulled out like a music book. And he's like, oh, I'm going to do here. This would be a good Christmas song to play. And Andrea's like, look, I didn't pay hundred dollars for you to flip through a songbook and play me a freaking christmas song and, and i on the event was like oh i love the spontaneity of it she's like nope i want the hits now jesse do you prefer 70s joel or you like horatio sands and only like 80s joel said goodbye to me tonight the fire buddy come on man play something from stranger you know, you gotta love Only the Good Die Young. That album, The Stranger, is one of those albums you go, there's a lot of greatness on there. But I do like Glass Houses, maybe right. I went all the way through. I mean, he was one of the artists that when a new release came out, I bought it and I liked them all. Was one of the concerts that you saw the one that he did with Elton John? So that's a bitter story. We had tickets. It was at Starplex, the outdoor theater. We had lawn seats, and we got stuck in traffic going to Fair Park. And so when we got there, the show had not started, but the lawn was packed, you know? And so you ended up having to go all the way to the very back of the Starplex, like you're touching the wall to put our blanket, even the big screen looked like a postage stamp and so technically i was there but i don't remember a thing about it because i just remember being angry i was on tilt the whole time (laughs) the reason i ask about that i did not know that story i wasn't setting you up but the reason i'll ask is because the amount of hits between the two of them that would just be unbelievable i saw a show there and man that's just I don't like that venue. It's just I love venue. that venue. <laughs> I would like it a lot better if they just had seats out there. They have seats. If you don't want to sit on the hill, buy a seat. Yeah, <laughs> when, I, when I can buy a seat, I do like the venue. I'll say this. The best place on the planet to be for the Jimmy Buffett show is out there in the grass. Oh, yeah. 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 That's the party, man. 
one summer at Starplex, the Beach Boys in Chicago were a bill. That was a really good show. Oh, very cool. Okay, so I think the next one we've got on the list here is the band that made you fall in love with music. And so I was trying to think, what was the first band that you've reached your awareness? You're not listening to your parents' station when you're in the car anymore. You've got your first, in my case, 8-track player. And the very first 8-track I ever bought was Elton John's Greatest Hits. Ah. I wore that A trick out, Crocodile Rock and your song, and, and I loved hearing Elton John on the radio. I picked Elton John for someone who is one of the early people I remember. Like in 73, 74, I'm in high school, listening to Casey Kasem's Top 40. There was a lot of people I could have picked from that, but I ended up going with Elton John. I almost went with him on that as well, because my dad had that greatest hits also. When I saw the movie, just Rocket to Man. see the yeah, Rocket Man, all the different songs, everything as you did yes absolutely very nice all right how about the band that changed your life for those of you who put money on bruce springsteen there i think that's a really good bet but i have to save him for another slot and i guess who you put in that spot instead absolutely is this where the beach boys make an appearance absolutely yeah (laughs) yeah, i was thinking that as well I, i love the colorful clothes you wear and the way the sunlight plays upon her head it's the summer of 1977. I was a loser driving around on a Saturday oh, night. No, no, no real friends, no girlfriend. Going to the Prion Lake Mall, just checking around, and went into a Montgomery Wards, and they had a record section, eight-track yep. section, and they had on sale Endless Summer by the Beach Boys. I'm like, oh, I don't know who these are. Well, let me pick this up. That was up. the greatest hits collection. Yes, it was. It was kind of a greatest hits. And and I put that eight track, you know, I had been listening to Kiss, Chris Destroyer, Chris Live, and all of a sudden the Beach Boys harmonies explodes. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I've never heard anything this complicated and this much harmony. There are people that said the reason why Sunkissed used them and other people use their music. Brian and the boys were selling the myth of Southern California in the 60s. He wrote the song, Jan and Dean did it, but two girls for every boy in Surf City. I thought it was two girls for every cup. The reason they changed my life is this was the first time it wasn't, oh, when a new one comes out, I'll go buy it. This was, okay, every record store I went into, I'm looking through the albums in the Bees to see if they have a Beach Boy album I don't have. I am going to the bookstore, because this is pre-internet, trying to find books on the Beach Boys. And and I remember I read a book, The Beach Boys and the California Myth by David Leaf, and he talked about Brian Wilson's mental brain breakdown and all the struggles he had and I actually you know this is I'm 19 and I wrote a fan letter to Brian Wilson after reading that book and going hey Brian is life okay are you okay I just want to tell you how much your music meant to me somewhere in a pile I have a envelope where he mailed back to me and there is a signed photo of Brian Wilson saying Jesse life is okay Brian Wilson wow Wow. that was the first true 
true band that I became passionate slash obsessed with. And wow. they remained that till I became Bruce obsessed. If you talk about the bands I've seen the most, it's the Beach Boys. I've seen Brian Wilson perform solo. They took what was a casual relationship to music to what some would say would be an obsessive, unhealthy <laughs> passion to music. <laughs> you know, I, I used to tell my son, remember, it's entertainment. It's not your life. It doesn't make you who you are. You like it because of who you are. The next one is band that surprised you. So I have a couple of runner-ups. When I first heard Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody, and all that music, I was just surprised that how much harmony and how much complexity could be in there. Recently, I had a guest on the podcast and he was a U2 fan. He kind of turned his back on them and became a fan of Gang of Youth. He had me listen to a couple of songs from them and I really like them. This is outside of my normal dad rock. Here's this Gang of Youth, this Australian band. But what I ended up picking, Sam Lisman was talking about this guy who used to be with the drive-by truckers. And so I picked up Jason Isbell Nashville and was amazed at how good it was. Very nice. And then when he put out the latest one, Jason Isbell in the 400 unit, I am surprised at how much I really like this guy's music. It doesn't hurt that he is a huge Springsteen fan. He's very active on Twitter. He's very socially liberal. He's funny. And I just think he has a really interesting voice and is a really great writer. He's pretty amazing. We went and saw him up in Oklahoma last year. The show was spectacular. He was riveting to sit there and watch him. I want to see him when he's performed live. That would be really good. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about his live show. What about... Your guilty pleasure, Jesse. I could give you BS about, oh, I really thought a lot about this and everything. But the reality is, I knew immediately what this would be. I'm a child of the 70s. I'm a child of AM radio. And, you know, I came without listening. And I had a weekend in New England. Oh, Mandy, you came. (laughs) Wow. Barry Manilow. Manilow. Questions? Yeah, I got a question. Does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? This was also Mike Ducey's guilty pleasure, I think. Yes. I have seen Manilow perform multiple times, and it's, it is a pre-orchestrated, not pre. a note out of place. When I put on a Barry Manilow CD, I just smile and I go back to being a goofy teenager. So that's my guilty pleasure. That's a solid pick. I'm big on easy listening and yacht rock. He definitely fits that criteria. And who doesn't like the American bandstand thing? <laughs> I forgot he did. That. Yeah, that's right. Or McDonald's or Dr. Yeah, um, I remember in high school they had a Barry Manilow live and he actually did a melody of his um, yeah. Like a Good Neighbor, State Farm is there. Like a Good Neighbor, State Farm is there. 
you know, he did a melody of Who's the Jingles, you know, You Deserve a Break Today. I also love the fact that one of his biggest songs, I Write the Songs, was not written by him. It was written by Bruce Johnston, who <laughs> is a Beach Boy, yes, which I think is fascinating. <laughs> I did not know one of the Beach Boys wrote that song. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that either. Hey, yeah, Bruce Johnston. Actually, yeah. who's the guy that says, let's support Texas, right? Yes, it is. It, yes, it is <laughs> that Johnson. guy wrote, I wrote the songs. That's yes, crazy. he wrote, I wrote the songs. When Brian Wilson stopped touring and was just going to work in the studio, so they hired Bruce Johnston to be, he was the fill-in Brian. How about the band that you should have seen live by now, which this is going to be hard because you've seen just about everybody. <laughs> well, I, I actually haven't, and I went with a tie. One is you 2 I never took time to see U2 each time they tour, and I love their music, that Joshua Tree and a lot of their hits. And I always make the argument when the Super Bowl happens, when all my Springsteen fans are like, Bruce Springsteen, greatest halftime show ever. And I go, U2 and Prince just might have something to say about that. That U2 after 9-11, and then Prince, of course, was just amazing. And 1A is Paul McCartney. I have not seen either one live. And I remember Mike and Corby talking about, like, if you've never seen Paul before, you're not going to understand why we're bagging on the show. Because it's a Beatle and it's amazing. But then if you've seen it once before, then you go again, you realize it's the same thing, that he has no spontaneity. But I would love to be in that event. I would love to have seen Paul perform. And I don't know if I'll get a chance again. Well, you still have a shot to see either one of them because they... Yeah. Are still touring. I know McCartney, especially, has been through Dallas a handful exactly. of times yeah. the past four years. Yeah. Absolutely. That uh, leaves you with great bands to see live. And mm-hmm. I've often said there's two kinds of people the people that go see Bruce Springsteen for the first time and go, wow, that was a long show. <laughs> and the ones that go, oh my goodness, when can I go see him again? In 2002, when I saw him for the first time, I went from being a casual fan to being obsessed. And then as I went to see more and more shows, I am at 17 shows and counting, including thanks to the kindness and generosity of my lovely bride, I actually got to go and see him on Broadway. I am itching to go see him again. God willing, when he tours again, I will go to two or three shows because I want to see it each one. Would you say um, there's almost like withdrawal symptoms if you don't see Bruce within a certain amount of time. He's got to get his thick. Yeah, I mean you you never know the magic that, you know, he will pull out obscure song that you're like, why the hell did he do that one? You never know how he's going to surprise you. I was in Louisville in 2016 and the show was over. He had ended with Shout, which is what he was doing on that tour. He had done the, you know, you've just seen the hard rocking, booty shaking, Viagra taking, love making, history making, E Street Band. Shocking, 
everyone's walking off stage and I saw Max, who's his drummer, take a drumstick and hand it to somebody in the front row. And all of a sudden, Bruce picked up his guitar and started strumming. And everyone looked like, what, what, what? They all get back in their places. They do a quick Bobby Jean from Born in the USA. The feeling was like it's four o'clock on Christmas Day. You know, you've eaten the big dinner. You're kind of tired and you've got that post-holiday. And all of a sudden, like someone goes, oh, wait, here was a present that we forgot to give you, Jesse. <laughs> and it was that feeling. Did you um, have any honorable mentions? Yes, I did. Locally, if you've never seen Brave Combo, the rock and roll polka band from Denton, <laughs> they are an absolutely wonderful band to see live. They do original material. They also take classic songs and rework them. They do a People Are Strange polka. They've done the Jeopardy theme. They are absolutely a wonderful band. And then I saw this band once in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I was amazed. There just recently was a part documentary, part concert film with Jeff Lynn. That's Electric Light Orchestra. Oh, yeah. ELO was just just amazing. I'm actually kind of surprised that ELO hadn't made anybody else's list. I mean, I think mines are pretty basic. I don't have anything too obscure, I guess. One thing I am surprised about is you had mentioned it earlier that you were a huge KISS fan, but yet they didn't fit into any of your picks yeah. or honorable yeah. mentions. Yeah, and I guess I could have, like, I've never seen them live, and so I think that could be a regret, but I kind of grew out of KISS, so yeah, I, I didn't have a place for that. Obviously, band that I love could have been Bruce or the Beach Boys filling out the lineup card was a lot harder than I thought it would be. Yeah, and proof of how hard it is, the fact that nowhere on your list did Sarah Hickman make an appearance, and that almost shocking to me, because I know how much you love her music, there's not room for everybody. And I thought about Sarah underappreciated, but yeah, it's like, you know, you, yeah, you know, there's other bands that I love, like, as you said, ELO didn't make it, the Eagles did not make it, you know, and I really love the Eagles, and they were kind of run up on fall in love with music. You know, one of the things what's nice is going kind of late in our recording is when other people's suggestions i'm like oh yeah that's a good one i should, you know, I should add that. did any of your picks change after you heard everybody else's picks oh, yes yeah. I, I will say this. I had Rush and Led Zeppelin switched, and I went, okay, which of these are going to be the least irritating to Gary, my brother? <laughs> and so that's the only change I made. Well, that was well, a really good list. Oh, thank I you, guys. I enjoyed that I appreciate one. that. We would love to hear your picks of the bands of your life. If they want to reach us, how can they, Junior? They can reach out to us by email to howmanypodcasts at gmail.com. They can uh, leave a message on the YouTube channel. Uh, just search for the How Many podcast they can send us a tweet on the how many twitter account or you can uh, send me a tweet directly even though i won't read it mexican underscore junior and you can hear me at jesse jackson dfw gary at travel underscore cowboy and bob at lukewarm tallboy and scott it's gs matula on the instagram scott underscore matula on the twitter yeah. and you can go to itunes or wherever you get your podcast rate as review us all right so this is the end of this episode but hey keep subscribing because we're all taking a turn and we're all going to share the bands of our life but for now thank you be safe wear effing masks and we'll talk to you soon Like sands through the hourglass, these are the bands of your life. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.